This scripture comes up in my heart. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So I want to read it real quick. It says, I pray that the God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. I really like this next part. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May you overflow with hope. You know, God doesn't want you overflowing with hurt. He wants you overflowing with hope. Amen. Amen. And there's hope for our souls because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so as we minister today, just keep that in mind. He died to give you hope. I like what the word says about Abraham who against hope believed in hope. So what does that mean? Even when it doesn't look good, even when it doesn't look favorable, we have hope in all situations. We have hope in all circumstances. Why? Because of Jesus. Why? Because of the blood. Because of what he's done for us. Amen. Someone say, I have hope. Amen. And so we focus on the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. So last week we started a series. We were talking about emotionals. Last week was emotion, emotionals. <laughs> we're talking about emotions. Last week was emotions part one. This week's emotions part two. And eventually we'll have emotions part three so we can wrap up the series. But what we learned is as you live this life, you go through, through some things that cause you emotional distress. Trials, tribulations. Stuff that you've done to yourself, stuff that other people have done to you, words that have been said, actions that have been done. And as we live this life, knowing also that we have an enemy in Satan, he just does things that hurt our soul. And you know, lots of times we don't really focus on it, but Jesus also wants to heal you in your emotions. He wants you to feel good in your soul. And so we left off with the scripture last week, and we'll start right here. Luke 4, 18, out of the New King James Version, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recover in sight to the blind. To set at liberty them who are oppressed. This is the five pillars of Jesus' ministry. Saving, mending, freeing, healing, and anointing. And he's still doing this. He did this when he walked on the earth in fleshly form. But he's still doing this today by the Holy Spirit. He's still saving people. Can I get a witness? Come on, now he's still mending people, and that's the one we're going to focus on, the mending of the broken hearts, but he's still mending people, amen. He's still healing people in their bodies, glory to God. He's still setting people free from bondage and yokes that have tried to keep them enslaved. He's setting them free from sin. He's still doing that today, and he's still covering us with his anointing. Amen. And so it's not just enough to know these five pillars of Jesus' ministry, but I want to go a step further, and I want to receive from them. So this morning, we're going to be talking about how do we receive from these, bringing special attention to the mending portion. Amen. Now, as we talk about this, I want to put this groundwork down. Uh, Everybody's got a story. Everybody's been hurt in their life. Some of us, that hurt's been more severe. And I get it. These types of messages may not be running around the room. Sometimes they're a little bit more sobering, but they're important. Because what is the purpose of gaining the whole world if we lose our own soul? And so he wants to minister to our soul. Amen. And so maybe your story about what your trial and your tribulation and your persecution, maybe it's a greater story than my story. Doesn't matter. God wants to heal it. 
Maybe your story's not as great as somebody else's story. God wants to heal it. You know, I use my wife and I as a parallel to paint this picture. You know, I came from a background, you know, my story's not that great when it comes to persecution and trials and tribulations. I grew up in a very small town in Colorado. The, the, the most emotional damage I suffered, and I'm just going to go ahead and let you all know, even though it's awkward, I went through puberty very, very late. I, wasn't, I was 17 before I matured. When you're in high school and you don't go through puberty until you're a junior, people kind of make fun of you. So I was bullied a little bit, hurt my emotions, hurt my feelings, and, but I took care of it in my own strength. I got a big, big brother, his name's David Conover, and I was just like, that person made fun of me, and he went and he kind of dealt with it. <laughs> I remember one time he got all of his friends, like 20 of them, and they went after this other kid who hurt me in my emotions because he was making fun of me for my size, and they made that kid cry right there in front of everybody, and I was just standing back, and I was like, it hurts, doesn't it? And I know I shouldn't say this, but I felt so much joy on the inside. I was like, you've been tormenting me and torturing you. And so my story, you know, I got bullied a little bit in high school, but I gave that to the Lord and he's healed me from that. Maybe your story's like that. Maybe you're, you're like my wife and you've come through some great things. You know, she, she's never met her natural father. Maybe you have parents that have abandoned you. Her mother, when Rachel was eight, she chose Substance abuse over giving attention to her daughter. She chose the love of men over the love of her daughter. And because of that, she brought some very hostile men into the house that were violent. She's had knives pulled on her. She's gone through some emotional trauma. Can you imagine being eight years old and feeling like your mother doesn't love you, your father doesn't feel like he didn't even care enough to stick around? You know, and it's amazing how we come to the defense of others. You know, I remember it was about 10 years ago, Rachel's uh, natural father sent her a letter wanting to get to know her. And I was like, oh, you're not giving any attention to that. If he didn't want to let know you then, I'm not going to let him know you now. But I realized that's not my decision. If she wants to do it, then she can do it. But guess what? My little suffering, God healed. Her great suffering, God healed. So no matter what your suffering is, no matter what your trial's been, no matter what, maybe you've got the hurt of a loved one and you never, the loss of a loved one and you never recovered from it. God wants to heal that this morning. Maybe you've been verbally abused or emotionally abused and God wants to heal that this morning. And, and we've got to get to the point where we understand he wants to fix us in our emotions and then we've got to let him do it. You know, out of the King James Version, this same scripture talks about he's come to heal those who are bruised. You know, when you think about a bruise, and I heard Pastor Robert Morris explain it this way, you can be in a room with people and you're kind of making fun of each other and poking fun at each other. I use myself. I have skinny, skinny legs. My wife calls them chicken legs. If you've ever seen Despicable Me, one, two, or three, I, I see myself as Gru. You know, I got this giant upper body with these tiny little legs, you know what I mean? And I'm just running around on toothpicks, and it looks awkward, so I avoid shorts. I would swim in pants if I could. You know, I get the long shorts that come all the way down. I know these short shorts are real popular amongst guys. You don't need it. My legs are the same from the thigh to the ankle. It's just the same thing. There's nothing there. My arms are bigger than my legs, and I don't understand it. But you can be in a room and, and making fun of each other, and then one person says something about another person, and all of a sudden there's just this emotional outburst, and they start crying, and they run out of the room. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what I do? Well, what you said, it hit a bruise. Right. 
of their emotions that you could not see. But it wasn't what you said. Maybe it's what their dad has been saying to them their whole life. Maybe it's what their ex-husband has been saying to them their whole life. Maybe it's what their children have been saying to them their whole life. Maybe it's what society has been saying about them their whole life. And because they've heard that and they've heard that, but they've never let Jesus heal that. It's underneath the surface, but it's still there. This is what I know. The memory may stay, but the pain will go. God doesn't want you to be hurting in your soul. He's the healer of the broken heart, and he wants to take that bruise away. And yes, you can manasse it by the Spirit of God and forget it no more, but if the memory stays, will you let the pain go this morning? Someone say, he is the healer. And so how do we begin this process? The things we're going to talk about this morning are very, very simple, but I want to encourage you to do these things. And as we do these things, we can receive healing for our broken heart. Number one... We have to understand that we need him. If God doesn't heal us, who can? Think about that. If God doesn't heal us, who can? Let me just speak to somebody in the room. It's not another relationship that's going to hurt that pain or heal that pain. It is not another relationship that is going to heal that. Remember what we looked at last week, Matthew 5, be perfect as your father is perfect, be complete as he is complete. He wants you to be complete. We read it in Psalm 65, he wants to minister to your whole being, amen. Only God can do that. A boyfriend can't do that, a girlfriend can't do that, a wife can't do that. You need to be a complete person before you go into that relationship. If you're in a relationship right now, If you're married, let God heal you so you can become complete, so you can now add to that relationship. Stop looking to your spouse to complete you. When when Rachel and I got married, she didn't look to Robert to heal her. She looked to God to heal her, and so we could get into the relationship as two whole individuals so our marriage could be heaven on earth. Jesus is the healer. Substance will not heal your broken heart. The government will not heal your broken heart. Stop looking to people for what only God can do. Recognize your need for him. And when you understand how much you need him, you will fight to protect that. You'll do anything you got to do to get to him. Remember the woman with the issue of blood who worked her way through the crowd. She even crawled because she knew he has what I need. No matter what the cost, I'm getting to Jesus. We see this illustrated for us at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Now, don't look at that scripture and take that word poor out of context and be like, see, right there, he doesn't want me to have any money. That's not what he's talking about. The truth is Jesus died and became poor so you could become rich. He's absolutely concerned about your material well-being, and we see that all through the scriptures. Pastor Belinda was talking about the tithe and how the windows are happen open upon those who do tithe. We look in Proverbs, and we see how he wants your barns and your vats to be full, and I love this, not just full, but overflowing. Amen. He wants you to be blessed. So when you see that word poor, don't take it out of context and say, I'm not supposed to have any money. What he's actually talking about is having the attitude, so to speak, of a poor person. 
You remember when the disciples were at the gate called Beautiful and there was that guy there and he was begging for money and he looked to them to receive something. That's what he's talking about here. You need to have this attitude. It's just like when someone comes up to you and maybe they're homeless and maybe they don't have anything and they want you to buy them a meal so they come to you and the reason they come to you to ask for alms, the reason they come to you to ask for money is because they know that you have something that they need. This is the attitude that we should have towards Jesus Christ. We must know that he has something that we need. And when you know he's got something that you need, you'll have the boldness of a beggar to where you walk right up to him and you say, Jesus, this is my need. Will you meet this need according to your riches in your glory? Not just financially, but even emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. Let me come to him because I realize I need him because only he can meet this need. Don't let the world steal you from the value of this relationship that you have with Jesus. Recognize your need for him. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Look to Jesus for your comfort. Look to Jesus for your healing. Go with me to John chapter 9. Someone say, he will do it. Remember what we read in Thessalonians, he is faithful and absolutely trustworthy. We also see other scriptures that says the one who started this work will perform it until it's completed. God is the healer. Jesus is the healer. And he's not satisfied with taking care of part of you. He wants to take care of all of you. Recognize your need for him. Only he can heal you. To give you context of what's going on, Jesus, he healed another blind person. And the reason why I chuckled is because Jesus had this amazing ministry of spitting on people. Aren't you all grateful I don't walk in that ministry? Tonight is saturation. I'm just going to go down the line and just spit on people. <laughs> you know, be healed. <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm not making fun of Jesus. It's just amazing how he did this. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it would be supernatural for my spit to reach you from where I'm standing on stage to where you're sitting right now. And so if it happens, just embrace it. <laughs> you know, it's not rain, hallelujah, it's just saliva, <laughs> glory to God, and it's anointed saliva. So just go ahead and embrace it and let it just be like, ah, oh, the anointing, I feel it on my face, hallelujah. Jesus had this wonderful anointed ministry of spitting in blind people's eyes. And so he put some mud in his hand and he spit in it, and then he rubbed it in this man's eye and he told him to go cleanse in this pool, which was supposed to be done according to Jewish ceremony, and he received his sight. And so what he started doing is what we should do when Jesus says, something good for us, start telling people about it. Amen, church. Come on, let's start talking about the goodness that is our God. Let's start talking about the goodness that the salvation has brought into our lives. Let's begin to scream it from the mountaintops. Amen. And so that's what this blind guy starts doing. He starts sharing his testimony, and he comes across the same people that Jesus came across with that he struggled with, the educated, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now listen, I'm not poking uh, fun at education, and I'm not saying we ought not be educated. There's nothing wrong with education, but what we see here is lots of times their education kept them from receiving. Lots of times, you know, we send teenagers off to high school, and went, or uh, from high school off to college, and when they leave, they have this relationship with Jesus, and when they come back, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because education convinced them they don't need him. I said education convinced them that they don't need him. I've been in youth ministry for 21 years. I've seen it time and time again. 
They go to college loving Jesus. They come back, I don't even need him. Don't let anybody steal this relationship from you. We've even seen it somewhat in the church over the last couple years. I don't need him. We absolutely do need him. And so this blind man, he runs into these real well-educated people over here in John chapter 9. And so Jesus catch wind what's going on. He sees that the Pharisees, the educated, they kicked this man out of the synagogue. They kicked him out of the temple. And so Jesus caught wind of it. And we pick it up here in verse 35. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found this man and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Everyone say, I believe. And the man answered, who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is standing before you now. Yes, Lord, the man replied, I believe and worship Jesus. Verse 39, then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those, <laughs> woo, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. So he, Jesus is low-key savage. I absolutely love him. He's putting all these well-educated Sadducees and Pharisees on blast with that one statement. He's saying, you think you are saved, but you're not saved. You think you're forgiven, but you're not forgiven. You're putting more trust in your education than you're putting in me. I have come to show you that the ones that think they can see are actually blind. And then watch what he says here in verse 4. Uh, the Pharisees who were standing there. So the Pharisees are like, did he just take a jab at us? <laughs> am I reading the room right? Is Jesus, you know, coming at us? And Jesus is like, yes, I am. And so the Pharisees says, uh, were standing there, heard him and asked, are you saying that we are blind? Verse 41. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So what does this mean? Jesus is telling, the, uh, you know, in the King James Version, he says, your sin will remain. The reason why they could not see, the reason they couldn't receive the miracle, and the reason their sin could not be forgiven is because they rejected the need for a Savior. They didn't need him. Amazing. They didn't need him. And since they didn't need him, they couldn't even see him and they couldn't receive from him. The first thing you need to be able to receive from Jesus is understand that you need him. Amen. Come on now. We can't heal ourselves. We only he can. So we have to keep these Pharisees. They, they closed off their hearts. Their hearts became dull towards him. Their hearts became dull towards the need of a Savior. And so they closed themselves up and they trusted in their own wisdom, in their education. They trusted in what they could see in the natural and they didn't think they needed a Savior. Therefore, they couldn't receive a Savior. Your healing begins by you admitting, I need him. Woo, I'll say that again. Your healing begins by you admitting that you need him. And when you admit you need him, now he can do something. Listen to me, where pride, spiritual pride exists, healing and freedom cannot. Is that not the original sin, knowledge and spiritual pride? Right? Where those things exist, healing and freedom cannot. What does that mean? If you say, I got this, then you can't receive from him. Humble hearts is how we receive from Jesus. Acts chapter 28, verse 27, now New Living Translation, it says, For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let 
me heal them. You got to keep a zealous heart towards the Lord. You've got to keep an open heart towards the Lord. And when you keep an open heart towards the Lord and you keep a zealous heart towards the Lord and you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, now he can bring healing into your life. And the reason why we have to have an open heart towards the Lord is because sometimes in order for that healing to really work in our lives, he's going to ask us to do some things in our lives. We looked at that a little bit last week about cutting out toxic relationships. And not even with a person. Maybe that might be part of it, but toxic relationships with the internet. Toxic relationships with social media. Woo! We got to cut these things out of our lives so he can heal us. And I'm not going to be so proud that I hold on to it. Let's go over to the book of Corinthians. I'm going to rely on him and trust in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I wish there was a shortcut in reading this, but I just want to read this whole thing, verses 3 through 10. It says, All praise to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. Where does comfort come from? Y'all don't be scared. Just shout out the answer like you know it. Where does comfort come from? Amen. We as human beings make the mistake of seeking comfort in so many different places. We seek healing in so many different places. But true comfort and true healing comes from God. He comforts us in our troubles so we can comfort others. When others are in trouble, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that, we, you can be sure that, that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your benefit and salvation. For God comforts us. It is so that we, in turn, can be encouragement to you. Then you can, you can patiently endure the same suffering, and we, that we are confident that as we share in suffering, you will also share in God's comfort. Someone say, he's the God of comfort. He's the God of comfort. Verse 8. I think that you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the providence of Asia. We were crushed. That word there, crushed, can translate to the same word as brokenhearted in Luke 4.18. It actually means shattered or destroyed. We were crushed, shattered or destroyed. He was broken. We were crushed and completely overwhelmed. Anybody ever felt completely overwhelmed? And we thought we would never get through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, here's the key, we learned not to rely on ourselves, but on God who can raise the dead. And he did deliver us from our mortal danger, and we are confident that he will continue to deliver us. And so the, the Apostle Paul, he talks about it in Romans, I believe it's chapter 7, about all the things that he suffered for Christ. He talked about being shipwrecked three times. He talked about being beaten with rods. He talked about being stoned three times, uh, you know, once unto death. He, went, he, he suffered great persecution. He was imprisoned. A lot of the letters he wrote to encourage Timothy and other believers and other apostles were from prison. This man suffered, and he suffered greatly in the pursuit of Jesus Christ and telling the Gentiles about this wonderful Savior and what he's saying is all this persecution, all these troubles, all these trials has caused me great emotional distress. I've been crushed. I've been broken. 
But the way I've overcome this is I've learned not to rely on myself, but to rely on God who raises the dead. Glory, listen, the way you overcome these trials, the way you overcome emotional hurt, the way you overcome these tribulations and these things that hurt us in our soul is by relying on him, is by trusting in him. Let your confident expectation be in the one that raises the dead. Come on now. He has all power available to him. And if you realize you need him in your life, you will let him into your life so he can heal you from your broken heart. Psalms 147, verse 3. It says, he heals the broken heart and bandages their wounds. Who does it? He heals. See, we need him. If we want to be healed from that relationship, if we want to be healed from that loss, if we want to be healed from those words, he heals us. We need him. Jesus is the healer, and he heals the broken heart. Aren't you grateful that he, did just, he didn't stop by saying, I am the healer? But instead he said, I am the healer brokenhearted, and I want to heal you. Amen. Now, even when it comes to physical healing, you remember that one man who came to Jesus and said, you know, uh, he said, I wish to be healed. And Jesus said, do you wish to be healed? And he said, if you will. And Jesus said, I will. It's his will to heal us. It's his will to take care of us. Psalms 34, 17 and 18 out of the Baron Study Bible says, The righteous cry out and the Lord's hear them. Say, he hears me. Come on, say it loud. Say, he hears me. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the contrite in spirit. Contrite right there means crushed or broken. He saves the broken. He saves the crushed. He saves the shattered. And what I love about that is not only does he save us, he restores us. He heals us and makes us complete. Psalms 107 verse 20 out of the Baron Study Bible says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and what? Healed them. He rescued them from the pit. He sent forth his word. What is the word? Jesus is the word. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among them. Amen. He sent forth the word. And why did he seal forth the word? To heal them, to cleanse them, to make them righteous, and to take care of the brokenhearted. He sent forth his word. Jesus has been sent to you to heal you in your soul. Someone say, I need him. The key to being healed in our emotions is realize we need Jesus. We must recognize the need for him in our lives. And when we recognize the need for him in our lives, we can let him into our lives so he can begin to heal us from the things that have hurt us. Everyone say, I need him. him. The next thing we have to do to receive divine healing in our emotions is we've got to let go of the hurt. I said, we have got to let go of the hurt. We've got to stop wearing what other people have done to us as a a badge of honor, and we have to start wearing what Jesus has done for us. Stop identifying with the hurt and start identifying with the healing. I remember Brother Hagin, when we were at Bible school, he told us this story about this lady that came down to the altar for healing, and she was in a wheelchair, and the power of God healed, uh, hit her. And as the power of God hit her, she began to stand up out of her wheelchair, and she got all the way, almost all the way up, and Brother Hagin said she grabbed onto the handles and pulled herself back down. 
She identified more with the chair than she did the healing power. And because of that, she stayed in the chair. If you will continue to identify with the hurt instead of identifying with him, he cannot heal you. If you identify with the hurt instead of identifying with him, he cannot heal you. We've got to let go of the hurt, and it's a supernatural process, and God will help you with the process. Over in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, I believe one reason that Jesus can't heal is because people won't let go. This is the story of Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus. Verse 46, it says, So they reached Jericho later as Jesus and his disciples left town. A great crowd was following a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Now remember what we started with in Matthew 5, that poor. He blesses those who are poor, right? Who was blind Bartimaeus? He was a beggar. But he looked at Jesus, you have something that I need. Blind Bartimaeus a beggar named Blind Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road in Jesus, where Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, some of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Yes, sir. I love this. Amen. When people tell you stop pursuing him that is foolish, pursue him all the harder. When people tell you to shut up and be quiet and sit down, stop crying out to that Savior, start crying out all the louder. When you start jumping up and rejoicing in all he's done for you and people say be quiet and sit down, I would jump up and I would rejoice all the more. Amen. I'm going to get louder and louder. Hallelujah. I'm going to get more wild and more wild. I'm going to be just like David was. Hallelujah. When he spoke to one of his 50,000 wives, I forget which one she was, and she was like, you need to calm down. This is no way for a king to behave. David said, woman, you ain't seen nothing yet because I know what God has done for me. I know what God is going to do for me, and I'm going to rejoice in what he said. I'm going to rejoice in what I believe, and no man or woman can make me sit down. I'm pursuing Jesus because he has what I need. Come on, church, if we would just start going after him. I love what Psalm 65, 8 says. Go after him hard. <laughs> Woo, amen. I'm going to pursue him with all of my being, and in return, he can minister to all of my being. Amen. So blind Bartimaeus, this is what I believe. He got sick and tired of being called blind Bartimaeus. He just wanted to be called Bartimaeus. I don't want to be known as Hurt Robert. I want to be known as Robert. Amen. Amen. So blind Bartimaeus, he got sick and tired of the hurt, the pain, the blindness. And so he's shouting out. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called to the blind man and they said, cheer up. Woo. Cheer up. Well, I'm blind. What do I got to be happy about? You're going to meet a man. Cheer up. You're going to meet a man. Cheer up. But he said, come on. He's calling you. Is he calling anyone in here? He's calling you unto himself. And why is he calling you? Because he wants to heal you. Because he wants to make you whole. He wants to make you complete. Amen. Now look at verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. 
If we're going to receive healing, we got to let go of some things. Amen. Blind Bartimaeus, he said, I'm not, they, the, the government has given me this jacket to identify myself as a blind person, and I'm letting go of what they've given me. I'm letting go of what people have given me. I'm letting go of what people have said about me. I'm letting go of what people have done to me. I'm not wearing this cloak of hurt no more. Instead, I'm going to wear a cloak of freedom, and his name is Jesus. Let me just take this cloak and throw it off to the wayside. I don't identify with this blindness anymore. I don't Even before he received his healing, he shows us what faith looks like. I identify with what Jesus has done for me. He's healed me, so let me just throw it off. Somebody say, throw it off. Before he can heal you, woo, there was someone that spirit right there. I saw it. Before he can heal you, you got to let it go. Woo, don't make me get all frozen on you. Let it go. I don't even know what that song is or how she sings it. Hallelujah. But before he can heal you, you got to let it go. Is that Frozen that sings that song? I ain't never seen the movie. Let it go. I went one of those princesses or something. She's singing about it. Let it go. Someone say, let it go. Stop holding on to it. Mm. You know, some people won't let go because they want the attention. So just go ahead and receive that if you want to. If not, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I got this illustration. I was rehearsing this yesterday. Lots of times when I get messages, I, I, I talk to Rachel about it because she's the voice of reason. And uh, so she helps me. And I, I, I saw two suit, or I saw a suitcase, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to hold a suitcase up there so people can see it. And she's like, well, why don't you hold two suitcases? You have two hands. And I was like, well, one's good enough. I just need one to illustrate the point. And she's like, baby, you really need two. And so we're having this debate in our house whether I was going to hold one or two suitcases in front of you all today, and we can tell who won that debate. <laughs> As I stand here holding two suitcases. Love you, boo. But I saw it this way. Talking about people identifying with their hurt more than their savior. You got to choose what you're holding on to. That's right. These things, the word of God is a representation of Jesus, always has been and always will be. Again, he is the word made flesh. You have to decide, am I going to hold on to the word or am I going to hold on to the hurt or am I going to hold on to the word? Now, it's just a natural illustration. I can fandangle this in a way, but it's really difficult for me to grab my Bible while I'm holding on to these suitcases. You know, especially with this one. This is why I wanted to use this one, boo. But this one, you know, I can't grab my Bible while I'm holding on to this. I'm going to push this pulpit off. And even if I do get it in my hands, I'm not going to be able to use it the way I need to. Right? And so in order for me to really grab a hold of my healer so he can do something in my life, I've got to let go of some things. Well, Robert, you just don't understand how bad it was. No, I, I, you may be right. I may not understand. But I know one where Hebrews 4 talks about you have a Savior who does understand. For he suffered just as you suffered. He was betrayed even unto death. Rejected by men and rejected by God. See, you may have been rejected by man, but you've never been rejected by God. For his love towards you is perfect and his love towards you is unconditional and his love towards you is un never ceasing and never ending. You've never, see Jesus separated himself not only from man but from his heavenly father. He was purely alone in that moment. He gets you and he gets your hurt. And because he gets you and because he gets your hurt, he's asking you, just let it go. Just put it down. 
And when you put down the hurt that others have done to you, now you're available to pick this up. To pick up this relationship, to, to hold on to this. you got to let go of that coat. Stop carrying it around with you. Just let it go and give it to me so I can heal you. Someone say, he's the healer. Now listen, that's not a decision that anyone can make for you. Your husband and wife cannot set this down for you. Your pastors cannot put this down for you. It's a decision that you must make to let go of the hurt and the emotional distress that others have caused you. You have to let go of the hurt and the emotional distress that maybe you've even caused yourself. So here's the question. What do you want to carry? I want to carry him so he can heal me from the inside out. Amen. Psalms 55 verse 22. Familiar scripture says, cast your burdens onto the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast in the Greek means shellac. It's the actual Greek word, shellac. And what it means is to throw, to fling, or to cast. <laughs> so, I, I'm not going to do it, but I just see myself launching this out there <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> like, Craig, catch! You know, and just watch this whap him up against the face. But really, when I think about casting, I think about a fisherman. And I think about the bait and the hook that they have, and I see them on the dock of either the ocean or the river, uh, you know, and I see that hook with the bait on it, and I see it sitting right there on the dock while they're holding the fishing pole, and I think it's not going to do anything there. It's got to be cast. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, get that stuff away from you and cast it onto me. Now, what's interesting about this is when you cast in the sense of a fishing, the reason why you're casting is because you want to reel in something. So it's, this is the great exchange beauty for ashes. Let me just go ahead and cast all of my hurt onto the Lord and let me reel in his peace. Hallelujah. Let me go ahead and cast all of my hurt onto the Lord and reel in his healing. But I can't reel in his healing if it's sitting right here. Or I can't reel in his healing if my hurt's sitting right here. I've got to cast it on the Lord. I've got to shellac it. You ever used that word before? You've been shellacked. <laughs> I, it seems like I have a memory of that word. I don't know if my brother used to hit me and say it. You've been shellacked. Shellacking, I don't know, it means like a, a beat down, I guess. I don't know. But I need to throw it off. And I need to cast it out in the deep waters of God. And I need to pull back the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Joy. Come on. Healing. 1 Peter 5, 7 we know this scripture, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is why we can cast, because he wants to care for us. Remember, he is the good shepherd. And he wants to take care of his people. Amen. Over in James 4, it talks about dependent on the Lord. In order to cast, this is one reason why people don't cast, is because they won't humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. They have too much pride to let go of their hurt. Let go of your pride and humble yourself. Humility equals dependency, and dependency equals healing. Psalm 68, 19 says, Bless is the Lord who daily bears our burden. So what does that mean? Every day he wants to take care of you. Every day he wants to watch over your emotions. Every day he wants to be there. Who daily bears our burden, the God of our salvation. Now when it comes to letting go, part of letting go is learning how to forgive. 
You'll never let go if you won't forgive. For some of us in the room, maybe it's multiple people we have to forgive. For some of us in the room, maybe we have to forgive ourselves. And that's the hardest one. Forgiving ourselves. Over in Luke 23, 33, and 34, we've all heard this before, but when they came to the place called Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Verse 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Now, who's he speaking to here? Well, some theologians think he's just speaking to the Roman officers that crucified him. Some theologians speak he's speaking to the Jewish. And some theologians think he's speaking to everybody. I'm of the persuasion he's speaking to everyone. Because the guards may have been the ones that drove the nails, but it was the Jewish people that were shouting, crucify him. And he chose to forgive all of them. Whoever's committed the transgression, whoever's committed the offense, whoever's committed the hurt, you must choose to forgive all of them. Jesus forgave on that cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes and they casted lots. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15 talks about forgiving others. When we forgive, it allows Jesus to mend our heart and our emotions. Luke 6, 36 through 37 says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will, and you will not be condemned. Forgive. Someone say forgive. forgive. Forgive and you will be forgiven. One more scripture for you, Isaiah 43, 25. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. I read that scripture yesterday and this thought came to me. If you can't forgive them for them, can you forgive them for you? Even though we're the beneficiaries of God's forgiveness, he didn't forgive us for us. He forgave us for him. It says it right there in the scripture. For his benefit. Can you forgive others for your benefit? Stop talking, stop thinking about them when it comes to forgiveness. It's not affecting them. It's affecting you. And if you can't forgive them for them, then forgive them for you. If you can't let it go for them, let it go for you. You know, real quick, I'm reminded, just kind of popped in my heart, I forget which movie it is. I think it's X-Men First Class. Uh, yeah, we just took a weird turn. But <clears throat> you remember Magneto? He's the one that controls metal. And then you got Professor Xavier. He's the one that ministers to people through the mind. What, teleconnects, whatever. He's the guy in the wheelchair. <clears throat> and so this was before he was in the wheelchair. And you remember the villain of the movie First Class, he hurt Magneto when Magneto was a boy. And he hurt his family. I think he killed his mother, separated him, and killed him because he was trying to access the power that Magneto had. And then you remember all those years go by, and now Magneto has grown into a man, and the bad guy's getting away on a submarine. And so Magneto jumps in the water. If you've never seen the movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But he jumps into the water, and since he controls metal, he starts pulling that submarine back to him. And, and the thing is, is he's not strong enough to pull it all the way back to him, but yet the, the, the weight of the submarine is keeping him underwater. And if he stays underwater, he's going to die. 
but he's trying to pull it back because he wants revenge. He wants to avenge his parents. He wants to get rid of the hurt that's on the inside of him. And he thinks that killing this villain is going to relieve that hurt and relieve that pain. So he's pulling that submarine back and pulling it back and pulling it back. Well, Professor Xavier knows that if he doesn't come up for air, he's going to die down there. So he jumps in the water and he gets on his back and he starts to communicate to him, telekinesis, why or whatever, to his mind and says, if you don't let go, you're going to die. You're going to die down here. Just let go. And then I I bring this over into Scripture and I think about it and the Scripture says, it's not up to me to get vengeance or revenge anyways. My God will avenge me. All I have to do is I just have to let go of it. Why would I want to die down here with it? I'm not going to let this hurt kill me. And when you hold on to it, when Jesus talks about reconciling with people that hurt you, when Jesus talks about that, he pairs it together with talking about murder. And so to speak, when you don't forgive someone and you don't let go, you're not killing them. You're slowly killing yourself from the inside out you've got to let go of this so Jesus can heal you if not you're going to die in your pain he came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly but in order to receive that life we must let go of the pain and grab a hold of him don't hold on to it anymore and so the Holy Spirit is telling you the same thing That Professor X told Magneto, just let go. Let go and come up for air. Stop drowning in the waters of this hurt. Stop drowning down here with all this stuff that other people have done to you. Just let it go and let me raise you to new life. We rely on him, the one who raises the dead. And maybe emotionally, you felt dead. Let him bring you back to life. So you can feel again, so you can love again, so you can live again. He's the healer of the brokenhearted.